Jude 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, now as we have heard your word from Jude, we pray that you would help us, that your spirit would come, and that you would help us to see what we need to see here in these two verses. May your word so work in our hearts that we would be formed and shaped by it, and that we would find life in you. We lift up as well this morning our sister congregation, the Concord Free Church. We are heartbroken what happened this week in Laurel, and we pray for um, the people of Laurel and Concord and this uh, congregation, Lord, as they are gathering together this morning, and just pray that, that they would hear your word, that they would be comforted, that they would know that, that you know and that you are able to sustain them. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, many churches nowadays are, are coming up with more and more interesting names for their churches, uh, either new church plants or churches that want to uh, rebrand themselves, as they say, um, are coming up with some unique and quite non-traditional ways to identify themselves. Uh, here are just a few that I found this week when I just uh, flipped through um, the pages of our most recent uh, Evangelical Free Church of America church directory. Uh, Journey Church and Crosspoint Church were two I found. Then I noticed that uh, the R words are definitely hip uh, for new church names. I saw Radiant Church and Resonate Church and Refuge Church. And then some in their church names don't even include the word church in them. There is the orchard. And there's even the fields. There's one name that I think would be a great name for a local church that I did not see uh, on the list of uh, church names. It, it, it may not be very catchy um, or hip in today's lingo, but it is a name that we see the apostles use over and over again when they refer to local churches here in the scriptures. And it's a wonderful description of what the church is and directly identifies the church in its relationship with God. It is the name Beloved. Beloved. You can just use that alone for a church name, Beloved. Or if you want to be more specific, for those who are outside of the church, you could call yourselves Beloved Church or The Beloved Church. Now, it might sound a little prideful to refer to ourselves in that way, but we see here in Jude that it is most definitely biblical. It is the way that Jude refers to the believers that he was writing to in this letter. Look in verse 1. To those who are called 
beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. And then verse 3, he says it again. Beloved. Then verse 17. But you must remember, beloved. And then here in our verse, verse 20, but you, beloved. It's not just Jude, but all the other apostles also use this, this description of believers in their letters to churches as well. If you belong to Jesus Christ by faith, then Christ wants you to know that you are beloved. You're beloved. God has set his love on you. And beloved is a plural noun here. It's not just referring to one person, but all those who are called by God and kept in Jesus Christ. That means that, that when Jude gives his admonitions then in these verses, they are meant for the whole congregation. We are not just to apply these to ourselves individually, but to the whole church corporately. When Jude here writes, keep yourselves in the love of God, he is referring to the entire congregation. We are, we are to hear these verses as relating to all of us together. We are together to keep ourselves in the love of God. You helping me and me helping you, all of us helping each other, for we are all beloved by God, and he wants us all to remain in his love. Now, it might seem to us as we read these two verses that we are given four different commands, but that's actually not the case. Uh, Jude was giving one main command in these verses, and then he provided the ways or the means by which the church could act out that command. The main message here is right there in the middle of uh, the, 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 the two verses, uh, right at the beginning of verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That is the imperative. That is the command. The other three verbs surrounding it then serve as instrumental participles modifying that imperative command. They describe how we are to keep ourselves as a church in the love of God. So God's word to us then uh, from these verses is that we are to keep or to guard ourselves in order to remain in the love of God by, here's the ways, here's the means, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Three participles, three commitments to make in order to help one another here in the church to persevere in the faith all the way to the end. Now, remember uh, Jude's main purpose uh, for which he wrote this letter back in verse 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So now, kind of towards the end of the letter, we come to Jude's how-to manual for how the church is to contend for the faith. 
And the importance of these verses cannot be overstated, for we have already come through the middle section of this letter, which focused on the judgment that was, that was going to fall on those who turn away from and reject the love of God. Jude wants to protect the church from following the ways of those who have turned away from God and from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he calls the church together. Together here to keep yourselves in the love of God. And he tells them what kind of commitments they must make together to help one another to do this. So uh, our main theme for our text this morning then is that primary command in verse 21, which uh, I put negatively in order to help us to really get the point. So here's the main theme. We are to guard ourselves and one another in the church against turning away from the love of God in Christ. Now, uh, the church is, is a lot like a sports team. Um, players have an individual responsibility as well as a responsibility to their team uh, when you're playing different team sports. Uh, uh, basketball teams that uh, I played on um, mainly played man-to-man defense, and to this day, uh, I'm still a man-to-man guy. Uh, I think uh, zone defense is just encouraging you to be lazy, um, so you better be man-to-man. That's, that's the best way to play, um, and in man-to-man defense, your personal assignment is to guard your man. You are responsible for that guy. Guard this other player. You need to know where he is. You need to keep yourself between him and the basket and do your best to prevent him from scoring. It's your responsibility to work hard, to put yourself in the best position, and to know and use the best techniques to prevent your player from getting past you and uh, scoring uh, a basket. But, of course, you're also a member of a team. And so you also have to have your head on a swivel, um, you know, helping your teammates to play defense if another player is having trouble. Um, myself, I was a post player, meaning I was positioned um, on, uh, uh, in, uh, on, on defense in, in the lane just in front of the basket. Um, and if a teammate uh, got beat, then I had to, to move my feet to get in front uh, of his man that's coming to the basket in order to defend the basket. Each player... Uh, was responsible for personally guarding their own man, but of course, in order to be successful, each player on the team also had to be alert and ready to come and help another teammate at a moment's notice. And Jude is showing us here that it is similar within the church. Each believer is called to do what's necessary to keep his or herself in the love of God. But we're also to know that we are on a team. We are part of a family. We are not only responsible for ourselves, but we're also responsible for one another. So we must also do what's necessary to keep one another in the love of God as well. To guard ourselves and one another in the church against turning away from the love of God. And so how do we do that? Well, that's what these two verses are all about. So first, guard yourselves by helping each other grow strong in the faith. Guard yourselves by helping each other grow strong in the faith. Verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most 
holy faith. Now, not long after I arrived here in 2015, uh, I was given a booklet from this church's 50th anniversary that was celebrated in August of 1998. Uh, The booklet tells a brief history of the church. I I really enjoyed reading um, uh, that history, uh, especially about how the first church building was built. And let me tell you, the original members of this congregation were builders in more than one way. The founding members of the church hired a carpenter to construct uh, the first church building, but uh, the poor man died before he could begin the job. Then another carpenter was hired, but for whatever reason, was unable to come and do the work. Now the foundation had already been dug for the building, and they had the materials for the building, but they didn't have a builder. And if you don't have a builder, then nothing is going to get built up. So the men of the church took the responsibility upon themselves to get that first building built. And history says they went to the library, they checked out books on construction, on on how to build, and together those believers completed the work of building up the original church building. Well, here in this letter, Jude was calling the believers in his day to be builders as well, to build themselves up in the faith, just like it was essential for for this church's founders to to build up a building in order to have a place uh, to worship and make disciples here in Stanton, it's also essential for churches like ours and the one Jude is writing to to build one another up in the gospel if we are to keep ourselves in the love of God. So this implies, of course, that every church is a work in progress. Every church is in need of being built up. Uh, Jude was writing to people who had come to believe the gospel. They had come to know that in their sin and unrighteousness that they were under the judgment of a holy God, but they had also come to understand God's love for them in sending his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to then fulfill all the righteous requirements of God's law on their behalf and lay down his life on the cross and die as an atonement for their sins. They had come to know Christ as their Savior and were following him. But they were still in need of building up. There there was still yet more spiritual growth needed in them. They, They still had to make progress in their knowledge of the gospel and their understanding of God's word and how to be faithful and to glorify God in everything. So you know how we have seen how Jude loved to use triads or or different sets of three things in his teaching in this letter. And here we see another triad that he uses with these three instrumental participles for how to keep yourselves in in the love of God. They are building, praying, and waiting. Uh, But there is another triad that's also found here in these these verses, one that we find not only in Jude, uh, but especially in Paul's letters, uh, to, to other churches. That is the triad of faith, hope, and love. So look, we are called here in verse 21, uh, verse 20, uh, to, to grow in our most holy faith, which is then shown through our prayers. Okay, we, we, we evidence our faith by, by our prayers. In order to keep ourselves in the love of God, 
There's, there's love there in verse 21. While we wait in hope for the coming of the Lord. Second part of verse 21. It's faith, hope, and love. Every Christian, every church is called to grow in faith, hope, and love. We are to make progress in faith, that is, in trusting God so, so much that we obey what his word says without question, that we believe his promises and so structure our lives according to his promises. We're also to make progress in loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor and each other more and more. This would also be, be shown in, in, in how we put God's kingdom and his glory ahead of our own and how we consider others as more significant than ourselves. We're also to grow in hope, to more and more be known as hopeful people, people who are confident, no, no matter how bad it seems to get, that if you are in Christ, you have a glorious future waiting for you. But we'll talk more about that in a, few, in a few minutes. So if we are to build ourselves up in faith, what is needed? Well, what is required here for us to grow, uh, to build up? Well, just like with the men who constructed that first church building, they first needed a solid foundation on which to build. They needed the right building materials. Um, and they also needed to know they need to have the right knowledge and understanding if the church building was ever going to be built up. So we are, in, we are here in the church. We also need to make sure that we are building on the right foundation. As verse 20 says, build, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, which could also be translated as building yourselves up on your most holy faith. If you have a King James Version or a New American Standard, that's, that's how uh, it is uh, for you and your Bibles, uh, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. And the faith is the foundation we must build on. The faith, of course, is the teaching or the doctrine of the gospel which Jesus Christ is at the center of. And just like with the parable of the two builders, uh, one who built on the sand and one who built his house on the rock, that is the rock of Jesus Christ and his teaching, his word, we also must be sure to build ourselves and this church on the foundation of Christ and his word. So how well, then, do you know his word? How well do you know your Bible? How well do you know the God and Savior who is revealed in our Bibles? Pastor Kent Hughes once said, you cannot be profoundly influenced by that which you do not know. We need to have the right foundation and the right materials if we are going to be built up in the faith. And the Bible is the material we need to use. The Bible must be at the center of every ministry we have here in order to build one another up. Christ is a foundation his word and is the material. Uh, if we're trying to grow as a Christian without using the Bible, well, that's like trying to build a house without using any wood or tools. But do we know how to use the tools? It's one thing to give someone a hammer, 
but he won't be very successful at building unless he knows what it's for. He knows how to use it. That's why I'd encourage you to sign up and show up at the, the Pathways Bible Study Workshop that's taking place at the end of the month here. That will help you to understand how to get the most out of your Bible reading. And will give you confidence to be able then to help others to understand what the Bible says as well. That'll help you to know how to use the tools. So, we need to guard ourselves by building one another up in the faith. Secondly, we need to guard yourselves by praying with and for one another. Second part of verse 20, and praying in the Holy Spirit. So the second commitment that Jude is calling the church to make in order to contend for the faith and keep one another in the love of God is for them to continually pray in the Holy Spirit. We are to note that each of these each of these uh, participles is in the present tense, which, which points to a constant or a continued action. It's supposed to be ongoing. We are to build ourselves up in the faith and continue building ourselves up in the faith. We are to pray in the Spirit and continue praying in the Holy Spirit. That is, don't give up. Keep it up. It must be an ongoing practice among the believers within the church. Sometimes, uh, or sorry, something that, that believers are doing regularly and consistently. Now with this uh, instruction here, Jude is acknowledging something that we are tempted to forget about. Especially here in uh, such of a sec secular society that we are living in. And that is, there's more going on in the world than just what we can see or touch physically. The world that we live in is more than just a material world. There are also spiritual realities, some that we are essentially dependent upon. We will not remain in the love of God without the sustaining grace of God, the Holy Spirit. We cannot give ourselves or anyone else spiritual life. We are completely dependent upon God to shine in our sin-darkened hearts, to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, as it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Therefore, we need to pray. We need to pray. We must acknowledge our helplessness. We must humble ourselves and admit we can't do this without God. We need him. We need him to come. We need a saving grace. We need his power. We need his wisdom, his strength, and his love to fill our hearts. And when we read and study the Bible, we need the illumination of the Holy Spirit to help us to see what's really there, to help us to discern and understand God's message to us. Yes, now we, we need to make use of those Bible study tools that, that we can learn about uh, at that upcoming workshop, but, but these are, are spiritual truths as 1 Corinthians 2 teaches. And it also says there that only those who are spiritual, that is, who have the Holy Spirit within them, can rightly interpret and apply these spiritual truths. 
And that's why prayer and the word should always go together. That's why every faithful pastor prays before he preaches, asking for God's help, asking for the Spirit to come, uh, admitting to everyone that unless God comes and opens our eyes, our time here hearing and thinking about what he has said will be useless. We need him. So we must pray and continue to pray for our ministries, for our children and, 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 and our young people, for marriages, for families, and for pastors and teachers, not just here in our church, but in all faithful churches. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, as the Apostle Paul puts it in Colossians chapter 4. So, we're called to pray in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit also means that our prayers are to be according to the will of God, which we find in the Scriptures, the Scriptures that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. So here's another encouragement for us to know our Bibles then. Often we, we, we struggle to pray. We struggle to pray because we just don't know what to pray for or our prayers just kind of sound the same because we always repeat the same things in our prayers. You know, please, please, Lord, keep my family safe. Be with all my loved ones. Bless them. Lord, help us to have a good day. Uh, be with the missionaries and be with our church family. That's usually it. Something like that. We don't know what else to say. And, and so we get bored with praying. But, but this book here, this book that you're all holding, this book has many prayers within it that we can use. We can pray them. It's also full of things God's calling us to do and believe that we struggle to do and struggle to believe. So we can pray those things for one another. We can use Scripture as a guide for your prayers. And, and if you do so, you know you will be praying in the Holy Spirit. But don't just pray on your own. Pray as well with other believers. It is a great encouragement for me uh, when either before or after a worship service, I see some of you uh, praying together or one of you coming alongside someone else and praying for them. Um, brothers and sisters, that shouldn't be something that is rare but regular. If our church is going to be built up in the faith, then praying in the Holy Spirit must be regular and consistent among us. When our founding members were faced with the problem of a foundation that had been dug, but no carpenter was able to come to do the work, they didn't just grab their tools, put their gloves on, and get to work. They also prayed, we're told. The historical record reads, with much prayer for the Lord's guidance and protection, they started building. Let us follow their example for praying for the Lord's help to do his will and for his spiritual protection over our church family. And then thirdly, guard yourselves by patiently enduring trials together as we look forward to Christ's return. 
Verse, verse 21 there. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So what are we called to wait for here? It says, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So what does Jude mean by this mercy? Well, looking at the, at the context, we, we find in the next verses a call for the church to have mercy on those who doubt, save others, it says, by snatching them out of the fire. So that is the fire of the coming judgment where God will cast sinners into the eternal fires of hell. We also know that, that Jude has already been referencing the day of judgment that the false teachers would be facing if they continued in their rejection of Christ's authority over them in verses 4 through 19 of Jude. Um, that day will be a day of great terror for those who remain in, in rebellion and, and unbelief. But it will be a day of incredible mercy, joy, and relief for those who know and love Jesus. I used to, to hate it when my pastor would preach on the second coming of Christ. I used to hate it. It made me afraid. I felt very uncomfortable hearing about it. I was not looking forward to it at all and was very, very anxious. That was because I loved my sin and was very upset about having to answer to anyone for it. But then I came to know the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That he became sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That he willingly took on himself the blame, the judgment of my sin, so that I could be given eternal life. Out of his great love and mercy for sinners like me, that, my friends, changed me. That changed me. And that mercy has changed countless believers. So this mercy here, in verse, in verse 21, is the mercy of Jesus saving those who are waiting for him from the day of judgment. That we will receive life instead of death, that we will receive joy and blessing instead of suffering, that we will be given relationship with God instead of being cast away from him forever to suffer his wrath. That is the mercy of Jesus. And when we see in the New Testament the, the, the participle waiting, Waiting. Whenever we see that, that, that waiting, it's usually in reference to believers who are waiting, and it almost always describes them as waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus to the earth. Here are just a couple, a couple of examples. Titus chapter 2, verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And then Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Believers are described as those who are waiting in hope for our deliverance. We are waiting to see our Lord face to face, to experience the wonder and glory of the new creation and eternal life with him in a world of love, joy, and perfect peace. We are definitely not there yet, and so we wait. Along with one another, helping one another to keep our eyes on Jesus and together hold on to the hope of his appearing, the hope of the eternal life that we will enjoy together. And this, my friends, is why it's so important for Christians to come together, to come together, to be with each other, to worship and pray together, to be reminded of his promises, of his word, so that our faith is strengthened and our hope for the coming kingdom grows when we come together. And we help each other to hang on, to continue to wait on the Lord, and to not lose heart. If we are to keep ourselves in the love of God, as we're being called to do here, we must never forsake our meeting together. One pastor wrote this, the first sign that a Christian is in danger of falling away is a tendency to be a loner, cut off from sources of encouragement and nurture. And brothers and sisters, I've witnessed this happen far too often. You've witnessed it too. If you've been in the church a while, the ones who are all of a sudden just kind of stop showing up as often, they are the ones who are drifting away cutting themselves off from the sources of encouragement. They begin to pursue sin and are led astray by the enemy. They become easy prey because they've removed themselves from the spiritual protection and encouragement of the church. They just get tired of waiting. And they give up hope. Instead of trusting in Christ's promise to come and renew this world, they go and try to make their world better for themselves on their own, and they make shipwreck of their faith. So brothers and sisters, stay in fellowship. Stay in the fellowship. Get together with other believers who love you, who want to help you to follow Christ, and then you can help them to follow Christ as well. Hebrews 10 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That is the day of the Lord's return. The only way you will ensure that you'll be ready for that day is if you keep yourselves in the love of God. So let us help one another by building one another up in the faith, by praying for one another in the spirit, and by waiting together for him to come. Let's pray. 
Our Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory and honor for the mercy of Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, to have our hope firmly set in him. And Lord, may we apply um, these verses to our lives today. You would help us to build up one another in the faith, to pray in the spirit, and to wait on you. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.